All right, following the leader, following the leader is built, is built on hope. Following the leader is built on hope. When we take a look at our, at our grand epics that we gravitate towards, we see a supreme leader that sets themselves up through power and lies. But there's always a hero. But when the story starts out, they're not able to be the hero. They're not, they're not capable of being the hero quite yet. They've got to go through a journey. And that journey is, is, is trials and temptations. That they cannot defeat the supreme leader, the person that set themselves up as the supreme leader through their own game of power. They have to beat the supreme leader through temptations and trials. We see in Rogue One, a lady by the name of Jen, who had this amazing statement, rebellions are built on hope. Right? Rebellions are built on hope. When she was talking to the council, there wasn't enough evidence for them to have enough hope to go for it, to fight. But it was in that scene that she became the hero, that she became the leader that she needed to be. Why? Because the crazy band of misfits that we love in our grand epics, right? The crazy band of mis misfits were ready to follow her. Why? For them, there was enough evidence to have hope. When we take a look at the cosmic epic, the cosmic epic that, that, that God has put out, that God has written, we see the same exact stuff. Even though Jesus is powerful enough to simply flick Satan and get everything done with, that's not how he defeated Satan. But still, but still, he gave evidence to the fact that he was leader over creation when he was here on earth. That there's enough evidence to have hope. See, hope today, we, we, we use hope as wishful thinking, right? We wish we can do something. I hope to be able to go to England to watch a, 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 an English Premier League match. I wish, right? I wish. But see, when it comes to Star Wars, and actually when it comes to the Bible, they use the hope in the same exact context. See, hope in the Bible is certainty of a better future. That my future will be better than my past or my present if I follow this leader. And so last week we, see, we saw Jesus, uh, uh, and Paul did a great job of, of, of showing us Jesus over creation, that, that the guy walked on water. Like, don't let that pass you by. Okay? Don't let that pass you by. He's so in charge of water that he can change the molecular structure of water to the point that he can walk on it. And allow somebody else to do it too. He's loader of, over creation. He can take, what was it? Two fish, five loaves, or do I got that backwards? Five fish, two loaves, something. For some brain fart, and I'm just losing it, all right? Okay, it was an insanely small amount of food to feed 5,000 men and then women and children on top of that. He's leader over creation. And we said that last week that, that faith is, 
keeping your eyes on Jesus. That's nice. It goes on a t-shirt real nicely and a coffee mug real nicely. But what on earth does that mean? Right? Have faith in Jesus. We're going to dive deeper into another story that shows that he's Lord over creation and, and he's leader over creation uh, still. We're going to focus in on that again today. But why we can have faith in him and have hope for the immeasurably more, because that's where we started the first week, right? It's not about just having a Lord and having a supreme leader that dictates to us that when we do have hope and faith in Jesus, that we get to see immeasurably more and get to see God do immeasurably more with our life. And see, in Mark chapter 11, it starts off with the triumphal entry. He comes into Jerusalem riding on a donkey and everybody is praising him. Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed be the name of the Lord. Or blessed be those who come in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna, or how we sing it. Shout Hosanna, right? Like shout Hosanna. Like, like yes, he's great. He's awesome. Or how, how Isaiah, my youngest, my four-year-old sings it. You know, shop Hosanna. Like where'd you get that? No, Isaiah, it's shout Hosanna. Shop Hosanna. I don't know how you shop Hosanna, but anyway. <laughs> but see, the thing is, is that they, they thought that Jesus was going to be a political Messiah. That he was going to come and he was going to destroy Rome and return Jerusalem back to an independent state. I'm not going down that path, okay, this morning, so just, just breathe, all right? But it was fake. The faith was fake. Because within a week, the same crowds are yelling, crucify him, right? And then later in the chapter, we see him go into the temple and, and clean the temple. No, he didn't get his Mr. Clean, um, uh, what's that, magic eraser. He didn't get that out and start cleaning the temple. That's not what it meant by, by cleaning the temple, okay? He went into the temple and started throwing over the tables that they were using to, 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 to be able to sell at, at extremely high rates things people needed in order to worship God with. But the thing is, is that they did it right there where the, the only place, the only place that people who were far from God could come and pray, they did it in the only place that those that were far from God could come and pray. And they, they were basically like, ah... They can't come to God anyway. There's no hope for them. And so we'll just use this space. They don't need it. We don't need it. And so we'll just use this space to be able to do this. And Jesus calls them out on their lack of faith. Then he began to teach them, it is not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. They had fake faith. They looked religious. See, the first group looked spiritual. You know, they were raising their hands. They were shouting at the top of their lungs. They looked all spiritual, right? Second, it's about religion. It's about looking all religious. It was fake faith. It was about looking all good and righteous and moral and on top of everything. It's fake faith. It's fake fruit. And then later on in the chapter, they questioned Jesus' authority. And Jesus, in his, in his riddle me this answer, proved that they didn't have any faith because they just simply wanted to do do things in which that made them look good. Because if they arrested Jesus at that point in time, the entire city would have turned on them. And they knew it. 
Fake faith, fake fruit. See, in the middle of all of this chapter, there's one odd story. It's an odd story. I don't know totally what to do with this story. Be quite, I, I, I don't know what to do with this story, totally. It's weird. It's different. It's not the picture of Jesus you normally see. See, we kind of we get to see like this bearded woman Jesus, like when people you know, draw Jesus like this bearded woman, like this thin like, razor, and like, he looks all smooth and stuff. And it, like a bearded woman Jesus, like, like really? Or a Jesus with like a halo um, over, you know, glow around his head and stuff, like we, we, we see that. And like, what is that? Or the lamb carrying Jesus, right? And one with, with the kids and all sweet and nice and cuddly Jesus. It doesn't fit here. 11, 11. And Jesus went into the Jerusalem. This is after the triumphal entry and into the temple complex. After looking around at everything, since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Bethany was a, a small village on the outside of Jerusalem, real close. That's where Lazarus, Lazarus and Mary and Martha lived, and he was probably staying with them at this time. The next day, when they came out from Bethany, he was hungry. It's breakfast time, right? After seeing in the distance a fig tree with leaves, he went out. He went to find out if there was anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. He said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. So I, I, I asked Kinsey to, 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 to draw me frustrated Jesus. That he's looking out at all the craziness going on around him. All right, people are just when shouting his name, just fake. And he went to the temple to, and looked around, and it says he saw everything that going on. He hadn't cleansed the temple yet. He hadn't turned over the tables yet and gotten mad, but he stewed on it all night long. And, 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 John chapter 2, that's at the beginning of his ministry. He's already done this once. See, we don't see frustrated Jesus painted all that often, do we? The brow furled Jesus. Going, everything's fake. Everything around me is fake. Like, and then he, he tells the fig tree to stop producing fruit. Like, what? I don't know. Maybe this is projecting myself onto the story. <laughs> But I think he's just kind of like, I can't do this to all the people, so this poor tree is going to get it. He's frustrated. And then after he cleansed the temple, actually the next day, early in the morning, verse 20, early in the morning as they were passing by, they, him and the disciples, saw the fig tree withered from the roots up. Then Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed is withered like... He's amazed that Jesus can wither a fig tree. Remember, he walked on water in the middle of a storm. Jesus, how'd you do this? 
Jesus replied to them, Have faith in God, I assure you. If anyone says to this mountain, Be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, all the things you pray and ask for, believe that you have received them, and you will have them. Pretty famous passage, right? But quite often, how we interpret and apply this passage leads us to frustration. I've been frustrated with this passage and similar passage where, where, where passages where Jesus said, whatever you ask in prayer, I'll give you. Because we read this passage and we get told really like if, 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 if you're praying for something and it's not happening, you, you don't really, what we're saying is we don't feel faith enough in our heart. So if you strain and you grunt more in prayer and try harder to have some faith in your heart, then the mountain will be moved. Straining and grunting produces something, but it's not faith. If you have a hard time understanding what I'm saying that faith is, is producing when you, or what, what is produced when you, when you strain and grunt, just ask any of our parents with children with diapers what straining and grunting produces. It's not faith, although they have faith that something is coming. It's not faith. Faith isn't a feeling of the heart. It's not faith. Faith is seeing things the way God sees them and then acting on it. Seeing things the way God sees them and then acting on it. Seeing things the way God sees them that there is immeasurably more. There is hope. There is a certainty of a better future if I hear and follow Jesus, if I have faith in Him. And based on that hope, I will have faith in Him and I am going to walk in that direction. Look, 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 look. When Jesus healed somebody that was lame, that was crippled, what did He tell them? Get up and walk, right? That is crazy talk. Put yourself in a wheelchair for 50 years. Then have some crazy man walk up to you and say, get up and walk. What are you saying? I'm going to show you walk. Jesus said, get up and walk. To people that had never walked before. What did they do? They started to get up. They moved in the direction. Did they do the miracle? Well, absolutely not. They moved in the direction. If Jesus would have told Peter, come on, come on out to me. And Peter is like, let me pray about this. Jesus would have just gotten in the boat. But you don't have faith. See, we put these nice little pithy statements on our t-shirts about like worn out, worn out knees in my pants. You know, it shows a good prayer life. What if we're in the valley praying about God move the mountain? God, move this mountain. God, the mountain's not gone yet. Move this mountain. God, move this mountain. And God's at the base of the mountain with the shovel going, come on. 
Come here. Here's a shovel. Move this mountain. That's crazy talk, right? Imagine driving to Harrison, Arkansas. Imagine driving to Harrison, Arkansas. I know some of you, that's a stretch, but just bear with me. Imagine driving to Harrison, Arkansas, and then all of a sudden, as you're driving past Branson, over the Missouri-Arkansas border, you see a mountain start to float up in the air, and whew, what happens next? You go back to Branson, to the Tanger Outlets, and buy you some new underwear. <laughs> right? Anybody with me? That's crazy talk. That is nuts. Look, I think the disciples knew it. The disciples often questioned Jesus after he taught something. The disciples even would push back on Jesus. What'd they do here? Nothing. I think they looked at each other like, is he hangry? What's going on? Like, what's, what's happening here? Like, what, what's going on? Move mountains. There's always a mountain in the way of immeasurably more. Always. There will always be a mountain in the way of immeasurably more. Why? It wouldn't be immeasurably more if you can do it. If you can do it, it wouldn't be immeasurably more. There is always a mountain in the way of immeasurably more. And what if God, what if God, what if Jesus is standing at the base of the mountain holding a shovel going, get up off your knees. I want to show you what it is to have a prayer life. When do you need to pray more? In the valley on your knees? Or when you're shoveling out a mountain? When do you need God's strength more? When you're in the valley on your knees? Or when there's a boulder you can't move? When do you need immeasurably more, more? In the valley on your knees? Or when you know that beyond this mountain is a hope, is a certainty of a better future? And it doesn't really matter if God's going to move that mountain or not. You've got to get through the mountain. But the good news is, is that he doesn't give the shovel and walk away. He will never leave you nor forsake you. What's the mountain when Peter's in the boat and Jesus is like, come on, bro? Physics, right? That's the mountain. Physics. It's a pretty big mountain, right? Remember, Peter was a fisherman. Him and water had a business partnership going on. He knew what happened if you stepped out of the boat. You're a rock at the bottom of the sea, right? Physics was his immeasurably more. <laughs> but in that, in that instance, really, like, the hope was bragging rights, right? That's, that's the hope, like, it said multiple times in, in, in the Gospels that the disciples fought over who was the greatest. I just imagine that when they were fighting, Peter was off in the corner, like this, 
with a, with a piece of straw hanging out of his mouth, his sombrero down. I know they were in Jerusalem, not Mexico, but just roll with me. Sombrero down, just chewing on his piece of straw. He'll let him go for a while, and then he'll just get up, walk by him and go, walked on water. Kept going, all the rest of the disciples were going, Peter, you just, oh, I'm sorry. You, just, you know, I'm sure Matthew, being a tax collector, you know, Wolf of Wall Street kind of dude, like he had some choice words for Peter at that moment. But just bragging rights there, right? That's the only hope Peter had of walking on water. I mean, that's pretty, pretty good, good little parlor trick, right? The thing is that the disciples realized Jesus wasn't meeting mountains as in like mountains, right? Because we never see an axe them going up to a mountain and go, go! Right? We never see that. That doesn't mean that they never had a mountain to deal with. But what they do? They took up their shovel, started shoveling, all the while praying, God, you've got to do something. You've got to do something. I anticipated some pushback, so I put these verses in there. Ephesians 2, 8 through, 8 through 10. But God, but, 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 but Paul said, Paul said, salvation is a gift, right? We don't receive it through work. But he also said, in that same set of scriptures, we are created in Christ Jesus for good works. So we got to marry something here, right? We got to figure something out. Because in one side, one, one, one verse, he said, we can't work for our salvation, but we are also created for good works. Also put the passage of James in our study guide that says, faith without work. Who gives a flying... That's not what he said. Or the late, great Rich Mullins. Faith without works, baby. It ain't happening. It's like a screen door on a submarine, right? Yeah. Some of you are like, what's... Uh, it's Google. It's Google. <clears throat> when it comes to salvation... Yeah, we realize that we can't have righteousness on our own. We don't have a fake righteousness. But we also realize that on the other side of the mountain, there is a hope that we want to realize. That Jesus gives us the righteousness that we were intended to have. And that we've blown it. And we can't get it on our own. But at the same time, we have to take a step in that direction for a new life. It's not enough to pray a prayer and go, good! <laughs> Salvation is desiring and wanting the righteousness of God, asking Him to forgive you. Start walking in the direction, but there is a mountain in the way, right? It's our flesh, it's our desires, it's, it's, it, 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 it's, it's that old person that keeps wanting to come back. I'm going to slip. I'm going to fall. But God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And He'll keep pushing us towards that righteousness. 
Some of it's the mountain's physical ailment, right? Just dealing with physical ailment. It's the mountain. The hope is God still wants to use you and use your story. And he's sitting at the mountain going, come on. You'll never understand my strength until you start digging in. Some of us, it's a mission, a calling that God has put on our heart. And the mountain is inability. The mountain is, I never went to seminary. I don't, I don't, yeah. The mountain is, I got this day job, Lord. How, how does this all work? But there's an immeasurably more on the other side of the mountain. And God's not saying give up your day job or anything like that, but He is saying take up the shovel and see what happens. Maybe it's with those far from God, just like the people, um, the religious leaders of, of, of not thinking that there's hope for them. See, we might be willing to be in the valley on our knees on behalf of the people that we know that do not know God, but are we willing to have the faith to take up the shovel and talk to them about God? Look, I'm in the same boat. Talk to them about the Jesus that gives hope. Jesus specifically mentioned another mountain. 25 and 26. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven will also forgive you your wrongdoing. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your wrongdoing. For some of us, the mountain is broken relationships. And we're trying to climb this mountain over here to find immeasurably more, but God's not on that mountain. God doesn't have that shovel. God has the shovel at the base of the mountain that's called broken relationships. And he says, I want you to see immeasurably more through the broken relationships first. If we're not willing to forgive, we don't understand the forgiveness that has been offered to us through Jesus. But you don't know what they've done, Lord. Maybe I do. Maybe he does understand what it means to have people betray you. Maybe he does understand what it means to have people deny you. Shoot, Peter said, let me be damned to hell if I know him. And Jesus heard it. But Jesus offered Peter forgiveness before Peter even needed the forgiveness. How do I know that? Hey guys, every one of you are going to bail on me. You, you right there, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. But you know what? When it's all said and done and I resurrect again, go meet me in Galilee. Right? He gave forgiveness before Peter even needed it. Jesus knows what it's like to be mocked by people, beaten by people crucified on the cross. And Jesus knows what it's like to be on the cross saying, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. 
the mountain of broken relationships is something Jesus specifically picked out in this scripture to talk about. Because we all deal with it. There's immeasurably more on the other side of the mountain even if they never reciprocate. Why? Freedom. You're free. But maybe the immeasurably more is being able to break bread again with that person. Jesus is the leader of mountains. Leader over mountains. He could literally throw the mountain in the sea. For some of you, you've experienced that immediate mountain movement. And it's awesome. But see, we, we also like glorify that and make that the natural, normal thing to happen in our lives, but that's not. Jesus never promised immediate mountain removal, does, does he? We overlay that into the story. He just said he's going to move the mountain. He didn't say immediately, does he? He just says it's going to be moved. For most people, I want this to be, I want this to be grace. For most people, it's one shovel full at a time. And we see over the course of time, immeasurably more happen. Through the fight, through the struggle, through daily needing His strength. That we're not on our knees in the valley. That we are on the side of the mountain praying out to God because we need His strength. And it's all based on hope. That when we get to the top of the mountain, the pinnacle of the mountain, that when we get to see hope realized, it's even better than what we realized. It's even better than what we thought. Do you have hope in Jesus? See, coming to church means nothing means nothing. If you just come to church, it will get boring and you will fall away. And we are living in a community of people who it was all about going to church and that's all it was. There was no hope involved and now there's something better to do on Sunday morning than this. Guys, if this, for me, if this was just about coming to church, there's something better for me to do right now. Something better for me to do right now. I got home at 1.30 in the morning. There is something better for me to do right now than to be here if it's all about coming to church. But if it's about understanding and seeing the hope that Jesus gives, the immeasurably more that Jesus wants to lead us towards, that's that something more. Do you see that? Do you have faith that it's worth the journey to pursue? That's the question. Is it worth the journey? I say it is. But each one of us has to make that decision for ourselves. Hear and follow the one, the leader that can move mountains. Hear and follow Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you 
We thank You for the gift of faith that we can even have faith and it it matters. I just pray, Lord, that You will move in our hearts and move in us. To have faith in You. As all as cripples, not able to move, that we take that first step when You say, get up and walk. Thank you. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. There'll be some people around if you want to pray and talk to them about either your relationship with Jesus, coming into a relationship with Jesus, if there's a mountain that you need to be moved and, and you're scared or whatever, you can come and talk to one of us and pray with one of us. Otherwise, stand and worship the one who will move mountains.